0: Yeah, so how was kindergarten day?
1: Yeah, so we're starting a little late here uh, because I had to go take my daughter to like a little first look kindergarten day at her new school and very emotional for me. But the best part, Jordan, you'll appreciate this. The uh, guidance counselor was going over the rules for what's excused absences and what are unexcused absences. And she goes... No, it is not an excused absence for you to go to a Duke game in Raleigh the night before and then have to miss school the next day. If it wasn't Duke, maybe I'd think about it. But absolutely no excused absences if you go to a Duke
0: game. I got to talk to this guy and counselor. I got I got you may need to switch schools, to be honest. And like a bunch of moms and dads in the room are just like fist pumping like, yeah. All right. So I
1: guess we go to a Carolina Chapel Hill School.
2: So that's the moment you knew you enrolled in the right place. That's exactly right.
0: Did you raise your hand and ask about Wake Forest? You know, as
1: an underdog school like Wake, we just keep things. We just lay low, um, and one day we will we will hit the top like Tim Duncan and soon to be Chris Paul.
3: Eight the shoot. Paul, the runner, loose ball, it's gone. With four point four to go, Shannon don't want to fall. Shannon from the corner, and it's over. Gonzaga, the slippers. Cry goes up both far and near for underdog, underdog, underdog. Underdog. Joe Namath, number 12, has been the one big sidelight. He's come down here and he says the Jets are going to win. In fact, he doesn't even predict it. He says, I guarantee a Jet victory.
2: Oh, my kid, I ain't even
3: in the guy's league. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. Underdog underdog they're bigger faster stronger more experienced and on paper they're just better oh my goodness the longest shot has won the kentucky derby rich strike in a stunning unbelievable upset shock and awe in college basketball underdog Underdog. I expect you boys to go out there and not take this team lightly, because I promise you, they're gonna come at you with everything they've got. What is that? Going the distance, Creed? Eleven seconds. You've got ten seconds. The countdown going on right now. Borrow! up to surf. Five seconds left in the game. You believe it, not? Yes, By George, the dream is alive. Speed of lightning, roar of thunder, fighting all who run. Or plunder underdog 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 well then i guess there's only one thing left to do win the whole fucking thing
0: welcome to the underdogs podcast this is jordan brenner joined as always by my buddies tom haverstroh and peter keating We've got a great show on tap for today. We've got some baseball coming your way, some playoff hockey, and some cheesy game show that Tom wants to spring on us. I can't wait for that. But first, guys, let's talk horses. Oh, wow. This is an upset podcast.
2: Keep horsing around.
0: This is the underdog podcast, and we've got one of the great upsets In Derby history last weekend. Oh,
1: I was going to say this was a great upset that you nailed the intro there, Jordan. That's fantastic.
0: (laughs) Every dog has its day, right? (laughs) Just don't ask me to repeat it.
2: (laughs) That was a rich strike right there.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, guys. Like, what a Derby day. That was amazing. I was watching uh, live at my Derby day party that you all were invited to, including the listeners were invited. (laughs)
2: Were you wearing the seersucker? Did you have the seersucker on? I, I didn't
1: have any seersucker on. I should have. I had some very nice pastel green pants um and a suit with a little flower on it. I was very I was very southern pastel. So, I wasn't quite vineyard vines, but I think I think I passed the test. There were some great outfits on the day. My wife had a nice hat on and it was just very all the all the ladies were there they were like fanciest summer dresses. It was great. It was a great time.
0: Peter wore a beautiful dress as well, by the way.
2: All the ladies. How many people were at that party we weren't invited to? All the ladies were in their finest Kentucky summer dresses.
1: All the derby ladies, all the derby, <laughs> ladies, all the derby ladies, all the
0: derby ladies, all the derby
2: ladies. All chewing mint leaves.
0: Peter, what did your hat have on it? My hat,
2: as always, had a, a uh, an NYK orange on black logo because it was raining heavily as it has been raining here for months. And so I wear my beaten up Knicks baseball cap and pretend that anyone around here roots for the Knicks anymore. And it just, you know, it adds to the general, the general atmosphere. What about yours? What are you we wearing on your head? Do you, do you have anything on, Jordan?
0: Oh, I was just, it was a, it was a little league washout weekend. Oh, so was I was, like- you know, just in a state of depression, <laughs> yeah, from not, in- not being able to coach. Uh-
2: <laughs> so usually it's the little league cap. For the do I have this right? For the mud claws, is that right?
0: Uh, it the uh, we uh, my son's team is the muck dogs. The muck dogs. I'm sorry, uh, I messed muck that up. Dogs. My muck dogs. daughter's team is the mighty muscles. So we went with minor league teams this year for every division except the because of the greed of Nike um, <laughs> taking over the little league contract with majestic uh, from majestic. <laughs> we basically couldn't get major league apparel anymore. So we we're able to do it for the our majors division. Every other division went to minor leagues, but it's great. We have games now. We had the the Mud Hens facing the Mud Cats the other day in the Mud Bowl. The muck dogs. We've got the uh, the Trash Pandas, my uh, my my buddy's team. It's fantastic. These are all real minor league teams.
2: Wait, are the Trash Pandas really a minor league? Yup, franchise.
0: Yeah, and, and our teams are the uh, Batavia Muck Dog, Muck Dogs, and the um, the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles, and the and the logo. Is a guy with muscles coming out of a muscle, like it's muscles M U S S E L S. Oh, got it. Yeah, like. Are there any
1: teams that have only one name? Like, I feel like all of them you just named had like two words. The muck dogs, the the trash pandas. The the mighty mighty muscles.
2: muscles.
0: There's the hooks in our division. Boring. The yard goats. Oh, I love those. Those are Connecticut. Yard goats. That'd be good. Oh, there's the lug nuts who we play this weekend. They're fantastic.
2: They're from Lansing, right? The Lansing lug nuts.
0: May's got to do the lug nut. (laughs) Fixed it. Saving Silverman. And all our games are on local live. So if you want to watch real sports this weekend... Forget the, the NBA playoffs, you know, Little League Baseball is where it's at.
2: So let me ask you a question to get you in trouble. If you can't use the major league team names because of the contracts, can you use discontinued major league team names?
0: It's not the team names. It's we couldn't get – I think we couldn't get the, um, the uniforms. But we were able to – we for whatever reason, we were able to do it with the majors teams. But uh, it, would, it would have been so much more expensive to outfit the entire league. We just switched to the miners and that and it's just better. It's better.
2: Alright. Well, I'm a big Quad City River bandits fan, so hopefully you got a bandits
0: in there somewhere.
3: But <laughs>
0: that's a horse of a different color. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of upsets. <laughs>
3: Epicenter has taken the lead as they arrive into the final for Lung. Shandon is coming after him. Epicenter and Sandon, these two, stride for stride. Simplification down the outside. It's next. They're coming down to the wire. Apple Center is handed. Rich Strike is coming up on the inside. Oh, my goodness. The longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Rich Strike has done it in a stunning, unbelievable upset.
2: The greatest thing about the – if you were watching the race on TV um, was that it didn't occur to anybody, right? Even the call announcer, right? Did not mention the winner until literally the last five to 10 seconds of the race. It was just, it was unthinkable. Not only, not only did he come back to win, but it, was, it wasn't even name-checked in the call of the race until about eight seconds to go. If you haven't
1: seen the overhead shot, watching the final leg of that race, it is mind-blowing. I mean, Rich Strike... That we didn't even talk about on this podcast because it wasn't in the race yet. He wasn't. In, he wasn't
2: entered. He wasn't even in the race, right? He was not in the field until when? Friday morning, right? It was on
1: Friday when they when they got the call, and Saturday was the race. And Rich Strike came from way in the back and just blew by everyone um, along the rail, and it was an incredible. A fascinating watch. But the most important thing that I got out of it was, Hey there, this is Tom. Just a little update from the Underdogs headquarters before we begin talking about the horsies. We recorded this segment before the news dropped that Rich Strike was being struck from the Preakness and he will not be racing in that race. But he is setting his eyes on the Belmont, which, um, you know what? Everything that we say here remains true. And it was an awesome race and we still like Rich Strike for the Belmont. So check out this research and mostly enjoy. This matters for the next race, which is the Preakness. The Triple Crown starts with the Kentucky Derby and then it goes Preakness it and Belmont Stakes. And then yes. when you think about it. Wait,
2: thats that's, that's the, that's the breaking, we that's breaking, the news? Clip. That's a breaking news alert. <laughs> Say that again, yeah. which way? Can, right. Can
1: we set this on social? I, <laughs> the surprising thing is that, have you heard about this triple crown in horse racing?
2: I yeah. guess that there are three races, but I've just taken a wild shot there.
0: Tom,
1: tell us more about this horse racing schedule. <laughs> than, yeah, because uh, the, the surprising thing here is not that there's three <laughs> races, but if you have a severe, a heavy long shot winning the Derby, I kind of thought that that would mean you know what? Don't bet that horse on the next one on Preakness because you know you, you catch lightning in a bottle for Kentucky Derby like that, I just don't suspect that Rich Rich Strike is going to be there at the top in the next race. But I looked into the research and those who are looking to bet the Preakness next time, I got some uh got some info for you. Hit us of the long shots that have won the kentucky derby since 1940 and i'm talking about 30 to 1 odds or longer the five horses that raced the preakness some of the horses didn't actually race cuz they were pulled out or injured or whatever the five horses that raced the preakness all placed in the top 3 which i can't believe. I I just kind of thought it would be a random thing that they would win the Kentucky Derby. There were long shots and you know what? Don't bet them on the next one.
2: So what do we think that does that, does that mean that, that if you're running the best race of your life, it's because you're in such good form, you're doing as well as you possibly can. And that stretch of time where you're at your absolute 110% self actually lasts for more than a couple of weeks. Like but that that this this is not just a signal, this is an actual repeatable performance? Probably, right?
1: Maybe it just means we don't really know much about these horses until they race, right? Like in this big, in the Triple Crown, um, like we had a rich strike at 80 to one odds, the second longest odds ever. Uh, and then there was Mind That Bird in 2009, finished second in the Preakness. The Giacomo, uh, fifty to one odds in two thousand and five to win the Derby. Actually, came in third in Preakness. Uh, Galahadian, Galahadian, Galahadian in nineteen forty was thirty-five to one odds and went placed third in the Preakness. And then Charismatic in nineteen ninety-nine was thirty-one to one odds and then won the Derby and won the Preakness and then fell short in the Belmont. Finished third in the Belmont. But the idea is. Hey, don't be afraid to say that Rich Strike is going to place in the, at least place um, in the next race, which is the
0: Preakness.
2: It's surprising.
0: So, is there value in that? Because Rich Strike's up to at seven to one odds now.
2: He's now one of the he's now one of the top three favorites, right?
0: So that's the question, right? It's not like uh, oddsmakers are like, well, it's a fluke, right? We're going to keep him at or we're going to cut the odds in half and make him forty to one. Like he's there now.
1: Yeah, and and I just kind of thought with his story, um, I, I, I mean, remember, I don't know if you guys caught this, but with Rich Strike, I'm falling in love at seven to one odds. I'm going to take it because the story is amazing of the of the trainer. Mm-hmm. The trainer just a few years ago was basically out of the game because literally lightning struck his horse barn and killed twenty three horses. Like if you can't root for that, you can't root for any like that. This guy and those poor horses, of course, but this whole story of Rich Strike coming in at the last moment, coming in and blowing the doors off of everybody at the last moment. It was a great call. It was a great video. It's a great story. And at seven to one odds, I feel like I'm going to I'm going to bet Rich Strike again because it's a great story. And analytically, they've seem to do pretty well or at least finish in the top 3. So you can do all those like trifecta boxes, those exacta boxes to kind of uh couch your odds or a little bit or play with the odds a little bit. But I I'm surprised by that information that that the the horses that win as long shots, heavy long shots,
2: it's a repeatable skill. And I think you're onto something with the fact that he's also uh he's also kind of from humble beginnings, right? I mean the horse, <laughs> not the not the trainer. I mean it's not like this horse sold for a million dollars. And that there's probably reason to not, there's probably reason to to stay away from the horses with the richest and most famous and most expensive backgrounds because the value is probably everywhere else. Right.
1: Yeah. That's why you're listening to the underdogs podcast. Cause you're, you're looking for the value of the underdogs.
2: And so, yeah, you don't have to feel like you're just playing yesterday's news if you stay with rich strike. Right. I mean, I think there is, there is, I mean, we should, I mean, the race is at somewhat different length. And if, if, if the derby had finished at a mile and three sixteenths, which is the length of the Preakness, then Epicenter would have won. And Epicenter is Epicenter now is the favorite, right? I mean, Epicenter still looks good. And you no, know, you know, you can't blame people for, for betting on Epicenter. But it's not like you're just taking an outlandish flyer if you like the Rich Strike story and you're impressed with what he did at the derby because there's something there that per, has persisted. I mean, charismatic is, is, is a great example, right? I mean, charismatic almost not quite pulled off a triple crown is a huge upset everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's 23 years ago.
1: One little tidbit here, the opening quarter mile time of 21.78 seconds was the fastest ever recorded in Derby history. And every single horse that was in or near the Vanguard got cooked in the process. This is coming from Bloomberg. They were all dead tired in the stretch. To appreciate the toll of this wicked pace, just look at where the front runners finished compared to all of Rich Strike's slow-footed pals biding their time in the back. The first seven horses to hit the quarter-mile mark finished 10th, 12th, 13th, 15th, 17th, 18th, and 20th. The last eight horses at the quarter-mile point, including our new hero, Rich Strike, finished 1st, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 9th, and 14th. So don't... Get too excited about what happens in the first quarter mile. It's all about how you finish. It's not about how you start. Which brings us to our next topic here, baseball. Lots of craziness happening in baseball this right now. I'm a Red Sox fan. And Jordan, you're very happy looking at the standings right now because the Red Sox are in the basement. And I kind of feel like they've got a lot of company here.
0: They stink. What's going on there, Tom? They're really bad. Bullpen's terrible. Can't just be the bullpen, right? What's 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 happening?
1: Well, the Trevor Story experiment is not going very well. I was very nervous about him coming from Coors Field and uh, spending in making that investment into Story, and it hasn't gone well. But like you know, what misery loves company.
0: And you're exactly right. Misery does love company. So right now, there are six teams on pace to lose a hundred or more games, and. Honestly, that was, I think it was at 8 a couple days ago when we started talking about this and I did the research and between now and then, like a couple teams won a game to get over the magic, the 38% threshold. Don't you hate when
1: that happens? Yeah.
0: But I did go back and look, since 2000, how many teams lost 100 games in a season? And what you'll find is, other than this outlier of 2002, where four teams lost 100 games, there was never a season where more than two teams lost 100 games until 2018. That's when three teams lost 100 games. Then in 2019, four teams lost 100 games. 2020, we had COVID, fine, throw it out. Last year, four teams lost 100 games, and now six are on pace to lose 100. So something is going on here. The bottom of baseball is worse than ever. There are multiple years since 2000 where no teams lost 100 games. So why are we seeing the bottom fall out even more? Why are the worst teams even worse than ever? Should point
2: out that there's some teams losing well more than 100 games too. It's not that unusual for a team to lose 100 for any single franchise at some point to lose 100 or 101 games. But we've seen, I mean, Detroit came within a couple of within one loss of tying the Mets' all-time record a few years ago, right? And there's teams kind of routinely losing 105 or 100, I mean, really, really bad teams now. And I think it's no secret. It's no secret why. It's because for a while when there, there were kind of two games going on where smart, rich teams spent a load of money on young free agents and smart, small market teams decided to build through the draft but also lock up young talent, find young talent, lock it up, and could still compete. Um, well, I think what, like, and the, the and the Rays are, of course, the classic example of that. Well, what's happened is, is that analytics, I think, instead of being a cool way... Ooh,
1: big, bad analytics coming
2: in. No, 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 here's the problem. <laughs> I, I mean, analytics used to be a really cool way for small market teams to stay in the hunt, right? But now, some of the big, biggest, freest, wildest spending teams are... are at the Fort, I mean, they started spending heavily on analysts too, right? I mean, the Yankees and Dodgers are now complete believers in, in finding and locking up young talent. They've stopped spending money on free agents over 30. Basically, nobody signs free agents over 30 anymore, and everybody knows how to find talent. So the gap between teams' wealth. Is showing up again in the in the standings. Analytics used to level the playing field. Now it's just widening them because Brian Cashman, even though he actually the Yankees aren't the best example anymore. They are a little constrained. But but look but look at the look at the Dodgers. So Oakland and Houston, and they're just throwing games away. What's Cincinnati doing?
0: Well, wait, what about those small market Red Sox and Cubs and the Washington Nationals? Those are three of your six teams headed toward a hundred losses. So sorry.
2: Yeah, and if it gets bad enough, the Red Sox will spend what they need to, so they won't lose 115 games.
0: Or are they just more aggressively – well, the, actually, the Red Sox aren't doing it either. I mean you, we talked about whether teams are more aggressively tanking, which is, by the way, an analytic pursuit.
1: Well I, – I don't think the Red Sox are tanking. I think they're no, also they're the not. product of bad luck, and bullpen is a big part of that is their Pythagorean win-loss record should be a whopping – 13 and 17 start the parade. We shouldn't be 11 and 19. We should be two games better than that. And also the Chicago Cubs clubs have been a little unlucky Their Their luck factor here. They've, they should be three games better in the standings. And look, I'm not going to say bet, bet the house on the Boston Red Sox, but I do think, you know, Chris, if he comes back and then they get a little bit luckier with the bullpen and some of these home runs that you've been covering Peter on this show, um, Somehow they're turning into these long flyouts, outs. They're warning track power turned into home runs. And, you know, the Red Sox are back.
2: Yeah, with the Red Sox, Trevor's story will be Trevor's story. And 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 look, a, a chunk of what we're talking about has a name, and his name is Matt Barnes. I mean, who's just backed up the truck and dumped half a dozen wins off a cliff, and they'll never be salvaged. And that's not going to – but here's the deal. If Baltimore – well, not even – Baltimore is actually better. But, I mean, if if Oakland or Cincinnati – had a closer who was just blowing game after game after game, what options do they have? Can they go buy a new closer in July? Probably not. Do they even want to? I mean, you know, the game seems to now be not, not about even long-term winning. It's about extracting maximum long-term profits from player contracts. And I, I wonder how much wins even matter. In an environment like that.
1: Well, also, aren't injuries probably a big factor here because of the shortened spring training and just the lockout is that that's probably playing into this a little bit that the bottom, the worst teams, if they get injured more, they're just going to have a steeper descent into that basement. And so I don't know if at this stage of the season, we're only what? 30 games into the season it's a long year but if you're super healthy and random variation would say some teams are going to be super healthy some teams are going to be super injured that that kind of separation would be random variation in the first you know whatever percentage of the season so i, I kind of feel like this will move closer to the pack and while there's six teams going to be on pace for hundred lo- hundred um losses this year
0: i think that's
1: I think think it'll even out a little bit more as we see some more games and we go deeper into the summer.
0: So the other question, though, is if there is something to these bad teams being truly this bad, is there any value if you're betting? And betting on baseball can be hard. But if you're betting, do we just keep hammering them until they show us otherwise? Keep betting against them? Keep betting against the Reds? Keep betting against the Cubs? Keep betting against the Nationals, the Tigers, and so forth? Is there any value there?
1: I think you have to take a look at their front office and what the long term goal is of this season. If they're tanking, then absolutely. If you have if you have reason to believe that the organization is tanking, then yes, I think you should be um, you should be doing that. It got me a little concerned that like Hunter Green, who's got a hundred and five mile an hour arm, um, throws throws incredible gas, and then is called up to be a major league pitcher, and then immediately his arm starts falling off, and they're still throwing him out there. Um, or at least they were a couple weeks ago when he was on my fantasy team and I decided to drop him cause he, he, his, his velocity just went from like one Oh five to 98. And I was like, yep, that's not a good sign. So I think the fact that these, these teams are going to be probably bringing up these minor league players and trying them out in the, in the bigs. I think you, I think, I think you look at which teams are tanking and you bet against them.
2: Yeah. Unless there's some injury or a luck reason to think that they're going to come back. I think they're the I think the Reds are I don't
0: think the Red Sox are tanking. <laughs> do we, do think- we need to go to back to our favorite site of man games lost? Determine just who's been most injured? We could. We could.
1: I mean, I, I think that's a big part of it too, is is which teams are gonna have their their players come back. And for the Red Sox, who knows?
0: No, I mean look, the Yankees have been very, very healthy, for instance, right? Like their 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 rotation is intact, their starting lineup is intact. Um They have not been hit by bad luck.
2: Well, they were hit by bad luck for one week when the balls they were hitting really hard weren't dropping for hits or going over the wall. And during that one week, New York was gripped with this panic. I heard talk radio talking about if Aaron Judge had fewer than five RBIs by Mother's Day, what would it mean for the Yankees' postseason chances? Of course, he had five RBIs by the end of that week. So yeah, their, their their luck turned pretty good pretty quick, right? And and by the way, I don't even know now where their over understands, but the Yankees feel like a really good regular season bet because they're just doing everything right, and and the competition does seem weaker. What, I mean, what do you think?
0: It's Yankee baseball, baby. We're back. <laughs> Are you saddling up on Joey Gallo yet? No, I want Joey. I want. Remember, remember Jerome from Manhattan. I want Joey Gallo out of here. Is that too? Is that too inside WFAN for our listeners? That guy was special. Yeah, but
2: Joey Joey Gallo is a fine. He's terrible. Joey Gallo is a fine player. Oh
0: God, fine. Take him. I'll give him. We'll make a trade. I'll send him to the Mets. You can have him. Yeah. Give me a bag of balls.
1: <laughs> Are you sending him home to roost? Because Gallo in Spanish is rooster. Is it all poppycock? The
0: Gallo hype is poppycock.
2: No, I think he's just chicken to adopt a true three three, three true outcomes player. Two chicken. To chicken.
0: I know some herbs and spices we could add to that chicken.
2: <laughs> I think your phone is winging. And, and...
4: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you.
1: Well, you want to send him to H-E Double Hockey Sticks, Jordan. Oh, I like where this is going. I don't know too much about hockey, but I do know that Peter is feeling very spicy hot about certain things in hockey. (laughs) Might even want to call it, instead of the hot corner, the hot crease.
2: The hot crease. Cooking with hot crease. Wow. Let me start out with a totally, because I know you guys are, are more and probably more into baseball examples. There's two teams in all of baseball history which had four 20 game winners on them. One is kind of famous as the 1971 Orioles because they were the first ones to do it. Jim Palmer, I think Mike Cuellar, Dobson, and who was the third guy? And, and McNally. And then the other team is one of those Braves teams where Smoltz and Glavin and uh, Max. Max were joined by Denny Nagel that one year. They all won. So those two teams have two things in common. One is they were great teams, <laughs> duh. The second thing is they lost the World Series because in the postseason, your frontline talent is what's supposed to matter. You want Johnson and Schilling in the World Series, right? You don't really care or
1: Pedro and Schilling, yeah. Right, go on. Right,
2: yeah. right, right, right. You don't really care what the team's fourth or fifth starters are, right? So yeah, we're now I'm in. we're not hip, hip deep into the first round of the NHL playoffs. Bunch of game fives. The NHL playoffs are always characterized by a lot of chaos. Low seeds coming out of nowhere, exciting, thrilling overtime games, craziness. There's the, the whole NHL playoffs is this week's agent of chaos. But the one thing that's supposed to matter is goaltending. Uh, every year, hot goalies win series. You can't always tell in advance who's going to be hot, but... You could look at teams that have really great starting goalies and get a lot of games out of them as opposed to being in a rotation. Like who's going to rely on the best goalie as opposed to having to make up for an inferior goalie should be one formula for hockey success.
0: So explain that. Why, why would, why would that make such a big difference?
2: Well, you got an 80 game season, right? Let's, get, let's say in the regular season, you got your great goalie in for 50 games and your backup goalie in for 30 games, right? So your regular season season stats are a blend of those two guys. Well, you get to the postseason, all you're going to do is play your top guy. So all hmm. of a sudden your stats look like that, not like a blend of his stats with the backup guy. I mean, that's just that was that was a working theory that I thought would have made sense. Does that make sense to you guys?
1: It does. I have a follow-up question. I feel like there's a great debate in basketball and in all sports about the hot hand is there quantifiable evidence of a hot goalie? And can you project hot goalies? So, as far beyond as whether they're good looking or not, Mays says in the chat. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: As far as I can tell, the answer is yes. Wow. Yes to your first question, but very unfortunately, no to the second question. Year after year, there are goalies whose postseason performance is way above what you'd expect and who carry their teams to series wins. Um, I'm thinking like maybe Jonathan Quick for the LA Kings 10 years ago. There's tons of other examples of. The problem is, is though, much like goalies on a year-to-year basis, you can't tell ahead of time who's going to leap forward like that. So as far as I can tell, still the best predictor of how a guy is going to do is how how he's done in the regular season. You can't tell who's going to have the next 10 games of his life, unfortunately, because that would be great. Hot goalies win, you just can't tell who's going to get hot. Here's, here's even more unfortunate results, which is if you take this working theory and you look at, you see all teams in hockey, who has the biggest gap between their top-line goalie and their backup? Who had an all-star, all-pro, Vezina, is it Vezina? I keep saying Vezina. It's Vezina, Vezina Trophy. It's the Vezina. 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 the The highly visual Vezina. I can't even think of a. Viz Vez the Vesna Trophy winning goalie starting some some of your some of your games and then rely on that great goalie in the playoffs. Which team would be most likely to do that by a huge margin this year? You would have picked the New York Rangers.
0: <laughs> and instead so what the hell happened and i'm watching the i decide to get back into hockey for the playoffs as the fair weather fan that i am and every every time i look up the penguins are scoring and 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 Shustarkin's getting pulled and they're putting in their backup so what the hell happened peter
2: so all year long igor shustarkin is pulling out these fantastic saves brilliant moves blocking everything bringing the rangers to a whole new level he gets to the playoffs against pittsburgh And in game three of their series, and the Rangers are favored, uh, he gives up four goals on 15 shots, gets pulled. Game four, he he gives up, uh, is it five goals? Five five goals or six goals on 30 shots, also gets pulled. And it's been a disaster. And um, there's been a lot of hockey goalie craziness in these playoffs. I mean, Pittsburgh is down to their third-string goalie. Uh, Tristan Jarry got hurt before the playoffs, and then Casey DeSmith got hurt in game one, leaving Louis Domingue, famous for eating— Lucky Louis. I believe it was spicy pork and broccoli. You guys like spicy pork and broccoli? Oh, yeah, of course. Eat some spicy pork and broccoli, and apparently that's been fueling the Penguins. This makes This makes no sense. The theory has not held up. So
0: basically, Peter, the answer here is we know nothing? Like— in in that you can't predict baseball susan like what are what are we what are we at like if you can't well
2: there's been, i mean there's been a lot more offense in these playoff games 20 of the first 32 games uh, hit the over and that looks like it's going to continue so that's an interesting way to play this forward and there've been a lot more power plays apparently in the playoffs games are called more tightly or maybe players are just acting more desperate and slamming into each other more so those are two trends to watch, but it's hard to make head or tails of what's been going on um, with the goaltending partially because of injuries.
1: So I have never placed a hockey bet, but I'm going to have to go to DraftKings here and just what I'm going to bang me over for, for all hockey games going forward
2: is what you're telling me, Peter.
0: Come on, Peter, put your money, put, put your money where your lukewarm crease yeah. is. Let's go. I'd, I'd yeah. find
2: I'd find a team that has scored a lot recently and count on them to keep scoring. Yeah. I'd count on Tampa Bay, for example, going over. Or those games going over?
0: So recency bias for the win.
2: <laughs> with shaturkin,
0: shaturkin,
2: shaturkin, shaturkin, sorry, turkey into a turkey all over with Shesturkin, herb, with just turkin, <laughs> turkin all over the place. And Pittsburgh down to their third string goalie. Yeah, I think over looks good in the Rangers Pittsburgh series. Also, yeah.
0: Well, you know what else is over this segment? That's <laughs> <laughs> enough hockey.
2: Yeah. All we've been able to tell is not to bet against Sidney Crosby. That's where the research is right now. That's all all we can say.
0: Fantastic.
1: Oh, you hear that music. It is time. (laughs) It is time to vet the bet yes yes everyone's favorite new game show where i ask you guys to vet the bet here's how it works jordan peter make sure your mics are on make sure you got a little name tag you got your hand on the buzzer i'm so excited i researched the history of a particular bet I'm going to set the line or give you a multiple choice question and you have to make your pick. Okay. You got to, you got to actually put in, submit your answer. Okay. And it could be like, I'm going to put the over under on number of finals MVPs in the NBA that were at the center position. I'll set the over under at 17 and a half. You tell me if it's higher or lower above or below over under. I could say a true or false thing and you you submit a true or a false based on where do you think I'm just making shit up or whether you think I'm, you know, telling the truth. Okay. On this one, All right. it's an A, B, C, D, or E, multiple choice question. Are you
0: ready to vet the bet?
1: I asked you a question. Are you ready? You have to say like,
0: yeah! Oh, yeah! Oh, oh, the- was that the question? Maybe that was the answer. Yeah! <laughs> I take option take A. Yes, I am ready. Yeah. No whammies, yes. no whammies, yes. no whammies. <laughs>
2: okay.
1: In the last five NBA playoffs, Joker. if you bet a-
2: Go ahead. I'm sorry. If
1: you bet $100 every time a hot team had a win streak of at least three games against the spread to cover the spread. So you you got 100 bucks and you see a team has covered the spread in three straight games and you're like, oh, I'm going to keep riding that hot hand. When you make that bet with $100 over the last five playoff seasons. Are we including this year? including this year, your total payout would be A, you would win $2,000 betting on that hot hand. B, win $1,000. C, you'd more or less break even. Mm -hmm. D, you would lose $1,000. Or E, lose $2,000. Again, oh man, in the last 5 NBA playoffs if you bet $100 every time on a hot team that has a win streak of at least 3 games against the spread. I'm not saying win or loss, I'm saying against the spread they cover 3 games at least in a row and you bet them to cover the spread in that next game, your total payout would be what 2100 or your total payout would be A 2000 B win 1000 C break even D lose 1,000, or E, lose 2,000, what is your answer?
0: Do you have some good thinking music to while I ponder this? Yes, I do. Maze, put it on. Okay, Jordan, why don't you come in first? I am thinking that the... Wait, wait,
2: wait. We broke more news. Jordan's thinking. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I was just trying to, th- try to throw you off
0: your stride. I'm thinking about reaching through my computer screen and grabbing Peter's neck. Joker, Joker. Go Joker. Then I'm thinking that we don't really believe in the hot hand here in Analyticsville and that the line might adjust to a team playing well. So I'm going to go with E. Oh. You would have lost $2,000. Oh,
2: can we pick the same answer? Because here's the deal. I think three games is enough time.
4: Yeah, Three, yeah, teams,
2: three games is enough time for teams to adjust. Um, and to the center's momentum it's probably negative and the hot hand doesn't exist and Tom wouldn't include a negative 1,000 option if the answer was negative 2,000 well it,
0: it also could span two series don't forget
2: all right, all right. Don't make it don't make it complicated. I, so if you want to if you want to go up to D, that's fine. My answer is E. I'm saying if you bet the odd hand, you are
0: answer is E. You're
2: gonna lose your shirt.
0: Don't try to steal my answer. Yeah, he's trying to bully you out of it.
1: Stand your ground.
2: Oh, right. Wow. I'm sticking wow. with
0: E, and my point is a that a coin
2: flip let you go first. Should I bet on that too?
0: To your stupid point about the team adjusting, it might be two different teams that they're playing.
2: You're just a shit turkin, you know that?
0: Yeah, that's right. Like the, you know, the Warriors might have covered, you know, their final game against the Nuggets and the first two games against uh, the the Grizzlies. So let let's, you know,
2: you should win. You should the Zena trophy for that because that was a good save. I
0: hope it's two thousand dollars. One answer A, so you can pay for better internet. <laughs> Don't yell at Tom like that. <laughs> not Tom. It's you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't know because he's he's
1: not <laughs> watching it right now. The answer to this show's first bet, the bet is E. Woo-hoo! Yeah.
3: That's I'm it. rich. That's it. What do I win? What do I win?
2: I'm gonna clear off the shelf for our Grammy or Emmy. What are we nominated for? If we, uh, you know, with this show for being so accurate and winning.
1: Here's what you win another question on vet the bet here we go so that that answer is correct e both jordan and peter you were right i got to do a better job of masking this question like with the multiple choice i think that kind of gave it away a little bit but it's actually two thousand and thirty seven dollars to be exact if a team won three in a row against the spread the hot team is 39 and 47 and one that's a push, for a win percentage of just 45%. The most recent example is a salient one. It happened May 7th, Game 3, between Memphis and Golden State. Memphis was riding a three-game win streak against the spread heading into that game, and they subsequently lost by 30 points in Game 3 against Golden State. Jordan Poole and Steph and everyone had a, sp- a big pool party. It was amazing. Yeah, they, f- they failed to cover the spread. The Memphis Grizzlies did. They were plus seven and a half and they lost by 30, okay? But additional research... If a team has won four straight games against the spread, they were 19, 25, and 1 for win percentages, 43%. All in all, the teams that are hot against the spread just don't really carry all that much value. They've been 177 instances, and they lose or they win that bet uh, against the spread just 46% of the time. So the flip side, right, guys? The flip side might be interesting. Should you bet the cold streak? If hot streaks are not winning bets, then what about cold streaks in the playoffs? If a team fails to cover three straight games in a row or more, would you bet them to cover in the next game? So in the last five NBA
0: playoffs- Wow, that's a good He's question. playing mind games with us too in the way he's phrasing this.
2: I'm yeah, try, I'm trying to figure out if my hesitancy to immediately say yes is like psychological, like do we just not to bet on losers or, or should the logic apply in reverse?
1: Okay, here we go. Jordan, I know you got to get those wheels turning early, okay? Right, right, right. If you bet $100 every time a cold team that has a losing streak of at least three games against the spread to cover the spread, your total payout would be A, win $600, B, win $300, C, break even, D, lose $300, or E, lose $600. What is your answer? Peter, I'll start with you.
2: I will say A, because I think the effect is smaller than the other way, but 600 is still smaller than 2,000. Yeah, I'm breaking more news. I will say A. I think there's probably, probably better reasons to think a team will keep failing to cover the spread than a team will keep beating the spread. But our boundary is smaller, so I'll say 600. I'll say A. I'll dare you to say anything else, Jordan.
0: Why did he pick 600? It's a weird number. It is. Does that is make you think? Does that make us? you think
2: the real answer is 300, and he just like doubled it doubled to give us more chances?
0: Maybe, or mm. did he just pick random numbers and it's even? Yeah. When we have such a
2: biased host, it's really going to be hard to right. get good answers. Truly biased. Get answers to them. Yeah.
0: It, look, it, if, if, the, if the teams were playing each other only, it should be the reverse, right? Yes.
1: If every time you had a game, one team was super hot and one team was super cold, it would more or less be minus that.
2: But you just it screaming at us that it can be different teams. Right. No, that's what I'm games. saying.
0: So because these are spanning two, you know, multiple series in some cases, that accounts for the difference. I'm going to guess it's a very small difference. I'm going to go with B, $300. Final answer.
1: Final answer is B, that you would win $300. Yeah, you
0: would win $300. Final
1: answer. The answer is... A! Yes! $600! Yes! Oh, yes! Those bets were 44 and 34 against the spread for a win percentage of 56.4%. Not quite enough to gain an edge with the Vig included. Um, But if you bet $100 in those 78 games, you would get back $600. I
2: never, ever say this, but I just paid no attention to the numbers right there flying by because the only numbers here, rings, if you will, the only thing that matter here is that after the first initial inaugural launch of you better, you better, you better vet the bet, I am freaking undefeated and have crushed Jordan. There you go. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I'm about to turn into Sean Connery from Celebrity Jeopardy as we do these going forward. And you (laughs) are my Trebek. (laughs) (laughs)
2: You are my Shaturkin. So
1: that is that is interesting to me is if you're if you're playing at home, the NBA playoffs, probably not much value in riding that hot team to continue that hot streak. But if there's a team that's been not playing so great and like this usually just happens with the heavy favorites. So like the Warriors of the world or the Phoenix Suns of the world, that they can survive not covering the spread three straight games because most of those teams are out of the playoffs. But anyway, um, one thing that I I did another layer, and I'm not going to do another Vet the bet, but I just wanted to make note here. you got to
0: keep some bullets in your holster, right? Right.
1: A little extra credit here, a um, little overtime. But if that cold team is at home, the odds are much better for them to cover. So there's no place mm. like home when you're down and out betting the cold team in front of their home crowd so at least three games in which they failed to cover the spread going into the game they're playing at home that team against the spread is 24 and 12 for a win percentage of 67 percent against the spread so every time you bet hundred dollars on those instances you would win 982 games this most recently happened Believe it or not, May 7th, the Golden State Warriors were coming into that game against the Memphis Grizzlies, and they were super cold, losing three straight games against the spread, and what happened? They win by 30 on their home floor. So there you have it. That's the big example. Don't ride the hot streak, ride the cold streak. It looks like from, if you vet the bet, that is the safe event.
0: We almost had that on Tuesday night, when uh, both Game 5s, I believe the home team was coming off well, certainly two straight real losses. Yeah. And I'm assuming against the spread, too. I really loved um, that night, both the Heat at home and the Suns at home. I thought there was an overreaction to the Embiid reintroduction to the series. Oh, so much.
1: And, oh, James Harden's back. Like, he had right. an average game based on James Harden's. Like,
0: right. And, and so, the idea was like, oh, my, he's back. He's going to be. So I loved the Heat in that game. I put money on him. And that came through. And I, I, even more, I loved the Suns because I just think they're a much better team than Dallas. I didn't think the way Dallas was playing would, would be sustainable night in, night out. And um, I did a nice two-team tease with them as well um, to get a couple points in my favor. Of course, I didn't need it because they both won by 30. But uh, I, I, I love zigzagging back to a, a team that's struggling but coming back home.
2: Should home court, home field advantage, should the value of that, how many points is it worth to be home? Should that number be pretty constant all the time because home field advantage is a result of whatever factors? Or should it vary somewhat based on the situation? If a team has been cold, but is coming back playing at home, should home field be worth more? Is it worth more? I don't think it generally... Is home cooking more delicious
0: after you've been homesick? When you need a hot
2: meal, when you need a hot meal.
0: After you've wandered through the wilderness. Yes. You find your way back home. You know what?
1: I would love that for a future Stats 101 with Peter Keating, a little explanation about home court
2: advantage and what that actually means. Home cooking coming up. We only need to be asked once, Tom, to start cooking up at the uh, Stats 101 factory.
1: That segment, uh, I was aided with my friends at NBC Sports, Edge Finder. That was a lot of fun to do that, to get all those re- that research for those bets. And just as a reminder, if you're going to go streaking in the NBA playoffs, most people think it's time to bet the hot team. But while everyone's zigging, you zag a little bit and bet the cold team when it looks like they're just down and out, and especially when they're in front of their home crowd.
0: Well... I, for one, would not like to see Peter streaking when it's cold. But <laughs> that does it for another episode of the Underdogs podcast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Tom Haberstroh, at Peter Keating NJ. As Tom likes to remind you, that's not Michael Jordan. That's New Jersey. I'm at Jordan Brenner. Until next time, we're going streaking. Peter and Tom, you guys have been talking up your WNBA prognostication skills. You got some futures you want to hit us with. So I'm excited to hear what you cooked up. And I'm always looking for more ways to make money. So help me out here.
1: Yeah, because like, look, the the WNBA season has already started. So uh, if you want to get in your wagers in now on futures, who's going to win the title? I've got a great one here. Um, When I actually did this, this research on this team, I had on the board at DraftKings, Plus 1800, but they won and now they're at plus 1000. The Washington Mystics so far, so good. A three and 0 start, they're load managing. Uh, Elena Deladan, and we, you know, she came back from uh, back surgery on opening night and she played very well. But as we know on this show, the agent of chaos is injury. And I think there's a lot of value there for the uh, Washington Mystics because they won MVP. She won MVP in 2019. And of course, uh, they won the title there in 2019. I suspect that there is tons of value there on the Mystics. If they can continue to load manager and manage that back injury, they are 29 and seven since uh, 2019 with her in uniform and just 21 and 34 with her out of uniform on the bench I think come playoff time, they might be the favorites going into the title stretch. So I think the Washington Mystics are my pick to win it all at plus 1,000 as of this recording.
2: I think that is a great pick for a great reason, because the thing to remember about the WNBA is just how huge an impact one star player can have. You often see a rookie come into the league, Brittany Greiner, Maya Moore, uh, Brianna Stewart, and just change a whole team's fortunes just having one star rookie. Um, If you look at the number of win shares that the leading players generate in the WNBA as a percentage of the whole schedule, I mean, you'll see the top players in WNBA posting seven, eight, or nine win share seasons in a 34-game schedule. That's basically the, the impact of LeBron or Michael Jordan in a Pretty typical Michael Jordan or LeBron season. I mean, the WNBA MVP level players are hugely, um, have a huge effect on their teams. So I love the idea of picking somebody who's coming back from injury. I think Washington's a fine pick. I'll give you an even longer shot based on a team with a whole batch of players coming back from injury. Yes, that's right. The New York Liberty. Yes, I believe the last I saw, they're at plus 2,800, but they're an outstanding long shot because they have the best. New York since Walt Frazier, Sabrina Ionescu. That's right. She was injured the whole year she came out. High ankle sprain affected her for a year and a half. Team racked by various injuries, including COVID. I mean, they have A.D. Durham with the number two overall pick, the 2019 draft. She's still suffering. This is a little disturbing from what she calls brain fog and confusion. And she's not playing yet. But when she finally gets better, that's going to be a huge plus. They have the defensive player of the year from 2019, Natasha Howard. They have uh, Semi Whitcomb starting now. She shoots 43% on threes. They have Stephanie Dolson, the center from last year's championship sky team. And I think their fifth starter is Jocelyn Willoughby, who had a torn Achilles last year. So they have players that they're matching and mixing who are finally healthy around UNESCO. UNESCO's stats, you know, everyone knows were staggering in college, right? At Oregon, she was the only player in NCAA history, male or female, to have 2,000 points, 1,000 assists, and 1,000 rebounds. And a lot of those stats have translated into the pro game, except for her three point shooting. Well, that's because she's been playing for a year and a half with ankle problems. Um, so in college, she shot over 40% from three. First game of the Liberty had where they destroyed the Connecticut Sun by two hole points. She shot three from six. I think she's going to just rocket it up, be the next huge star like everyone predicted. Just a year or two late, that team's going to drastically improve. The New York Liberty carry the torch.
0: Look, the plucky
1: New York team, always the underdog.
2: The torch is passed to a new underdog. Get it? The torch. It's the Liberty. Wow. The torch.
0: Not since the days of of Harry Gallatin and... uh Dick the Nick Maguire has New York basketball been this thrilling. The
2: VanderWay Vanderway dynasty began back with those 51-52 Knicks. But we don't need them in this conversation. We got a whole new generation of exciting women players here in the Big Apple.
1: No more horsing around. It's time to get started on our next episode of The Underdogs.
2: Put my money on the liberty over the Rangers, I'll
0: tell you that. I'm going to strike you. Seriously. Rich strikes. Just storking yourself.